Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, talking to Krishna. And today we're doing our best trade proposals. So this is not, I know a lot of the times we do a trade reaction podcast. These trades have not happened. But the trade deadline is like about a week away. And these are some of the trade proposals we would like to see. I know I did an episode last year about my love-hate relationship with fake trades. But when you're doing three podcasts a week, every week of the year, you you just sometimes got to do it. Uh, Krishna, how are you doing today? And uh, have you been cooking up some uh, some interesting trades in the old trade machine? Uh, yep, I'm I'm doing well. I've got some interesting trades uh, ready to go. What the person that put together? So there's the NBA trade machine on ESPN, right? And then there is also a trade machine on Fanspo. I don't. Okay, Christian, you would know a little bit more about this than me. It seems like it would take a tremendous amount of time to make that application. Uh, yeah, I would imagine. I honestly, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. You, you would have to also be very familiar with like the rules. Very familiar with the rules, yeah. And one of the great things about the Fansquad app is they include like picks and stuff like that. So, um. Like, that's really cool, too. Like, the ESPN version doesn't have that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I, I always just use the Fanspo one. Uh, well, just shout out to anyone that's ever worked on a trade machine app and uh, Fanspo, I guess, for having a, a very good one. All right, Krishna, let's go. First, what is your trade proposal that needs to happen? Okay, I'm going to start out. Um, I guess I'll start out small and. Uh, I don't know if this one's like, this one's like really tiny, um, but microscopic. It, yeah. Microscopic. And, um, actually let me just make sure this works in the trade machine. But <laughs> Wait, the, hold on. you didn't test these in the trade machine. Um, no, well, no, I, I don't know if I have to add another player to this one. Uh, so the the trade I was thinking about, and I was discussing this a bit on Twitter with like uh, a few Sixers fans, was uh, Jaden Springer and the Hornets' second round pick for Vanderbilt. I don't uh, I don't do know you, who Jaden Springer is. Uh, <laughs> he's so he's a first round pick. He was a first round pick from the Sixers a few years ago. He's like, look, he's. <laughs> if you don't know who he is and he's played on the Sixers, so you can get probably gather that he's barely played okay. in his NBA career. All right. But he's still super young. I think he's like 20 years old or something like that. So um, like he's kind of he would fall under one of those like, OK, you know what? Maybe there's something here. Players like A change of scenery player. They call it in baseball. I Well, yeah, I don't even so much know if it's so much that because he just doesn't. Like it, it's more so that like he's not going to play on a team that's trying to win the championship, right? Um, so he's okay. You know what? I just realized I have to add a little more salary <laughs> into uh, in, into the jazz portion of this trade. So uh, so let's add in. So if I I think if I add in house, that would do. Um, Danil House on the on the Sixers. I think that would get me to. Uh, <laughs> Yes, that works. Uh, that was the only thing. Wait, I wasn't hold on. Sure you're about. trying to get Jared Vanderbilt from the Utah Jazz, a defensive. You're trying to get another defensive specialist on the Sixers. They have like three already. Um. 
So the reason I thought this would help, you're, you're saying with uh, Tucker and so the Sixers need a backup center to me that uh, can play like that's not Montrez Harrell. <laughs> they can play defense. Yeah, that can play defense that can hold up in the playoffs. And I actually think like ideally you want somebody who can play with Embiid. Like you want a backup center who can play in the non-Embiid minutes and can play with Embiid too, ideally. Because like, like it's it's always better to have like players that can be, play with your best players, right? Even if they're bench players, like you don't want like it, it's, um, like you don't want to necessarily get a guy like like Drummond has been somebody the Sixers had last year, right? And that would be a um, that would make some sense too, right? Like a backup big who's uh, maybe bigger and has like more traditional big man skills. But like you'd be playing him 10 minutes a game at most. And honestly, I think with like the Sixers, you wouldn't mind having like PJ Tucker at the five, right? And so you could play Vanderbilt at the four. So he could play in a lineup like that. Or you could have um, Vanderbilt. Like he might even be able to play with Embiid. Uh, he can't shoot, obviously, so that's kind of uh, <laughs> like it hurts your spacing a bit. But if he's like your only guy who can't shoot, because we know Embiid can, uh, I think that can work playing with him with Embiid. And to me, the reason I like that trade for the Sixers, they need like secondary rim protection to me. Like if you look at the rest of their team, they don't have anybody else who can really rim protect. So getting another guy like that um, would help. And for the Jazz, they get um, Jaden Springer, who's like, um, I think he's like, let me check the age here. But I want to say he's like 20 years old or something like that, right? So um, he's just kind of a look at a guy who, yeah, he's 20 years old. He's a look at a potential prospect who could turn into something for the Jazz. And, you know, I think like it's pretty clear, like despite the Jazz um, kind of being in the plan area, um, from what's kind of been reported, it sounds like they're going to be sellers, um, especially because I think now – like where they were uh, a few months ago, where they're like third in the they're West. Out of, they're, they're starting to run out of gas a little bit. Yeah. Like if you're in 10th place and you're the Jazz, it just makes sense to be sellers because you kind of wanted to do that at start at the start anyways. And this team's not good enough to actually win a playoff series. So um, and and the Jazz also get the Hornets second round pick. Um, and we were discussing this off air where, uh, like, what is the value of a second rounder? Um, well, to me, like, I, I think this would be enough for the Jazz because the Hornets' second rounder is basically going to be, uh, like, a f- late first, like, almost the equivalent of a late first. Because it's probably right? going to be a top five pick in the second round. Yeah, exactly. And let's, so that's let's say like, the Sixers have, like, the 26th pick. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be that. Maybe it'd be, like, the 24th pick. Right. It's like another it's another like 10, 15. It's another like 15 slots down. Yeah, it's like 10 slots down, right? Like 30, 34, 35 or somewhere around there. Dep- oh, yeah, a- yeah. It, dep- it depends on like where the Sixers fall. I'm trying to figure out and like where the horn. I guess the horns will probably have a top yeah. five pick and the Sixers will be somewhere think, in the 20s. So does this is a dumb question, but like if you fall in the lottery, like if you're the Hornets and the second round just goes based on record, right? I don't know. Talking to the wrong guy. I assume the second round goes based on record, in which case the Hornets pick could be like 31 or something like that. 
So it could be like, you know, because they might actually have the worst record in the NBA, right? Okay, so re- so so state the trade in its entirety again. So the trade in its entirety is House, Springer, and a Hornets second round pick for Vanderbilt. So basically it's it's salary and, you know, a young guy where, you know, you see what you get. A second round pick, but a very, very high second round pick yeah. for Jared Vanderbilt, who's like a defensive specialist who can rebound well. Yeah. And the other one I had was, uh, and this is related. I, I just, I'm just kind of pairing this with the, uh, with this trade because it's, uh, it's a similar type of trade trying to get, you know, essentially a similar type of player on the Sixers. Um, would be for Rocco instead. And Rocco's making a little more, so I believe we would, ha- it would have to be like House, Corkmaz, and Springer, um, for. Uh, Rocco and again same idea where it's that Charlotte uh, second rounder same thing yeah Ooh, I don't you know, know if I'm, I don't think I'm giving up Robert Covington for a second round pick yeah see uh, I don't know if the Clippers would do this because well you know what so I think if the Clippers were doing this in a vacuum um, oh you you're saying you wouldn't even do well see okay this is something a trade that the Jazz might do if they were in the Clippers spot but the Clippers aren't going to do this because they're trying to win now, right? Yeah, it doesn't so help I think, the Clippers in any way. Yeah, it doesn't help the Clippers in any way. So I think this is probably somewhere where you have to like reroute those like three picks or those three guys and like the Hornets second rounder to a third team, and then they give up something to the Clippers. Um, I did not think of that part yet. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So all okay. So the the first one is interesting. It's that second round pick with Char uh, that is Charlotte's that the Sixers own that is going for Vanderbilt. All right, I'm going to give you one of mine. So Bones Highland has been rumored to be on the trade block with Denver, and he is, in my estimation, I think he is going to fit into that Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, instant offense, like one of the best six men in the league. But the problem is, the value in his scoring most of the time is like he is he can score. He has a microwave element to his game. He's a good shooter and he has some playmaking. So I think it makes the most sense to use him in that six man role. Um, however, has been pretty bad at defense and like all of those guys are like on the smaller side. Um, so Bones Highland is an interesting player because he's young and he has potential where we don't know what he's going to be yet. He's had pretty good offensive impact numbers in his first year and a half, but Denver's going to trade him. Denver's going to want, um, obviously, a player that can contribute now because they're trying to win the championship. Um, they can hang on to Bones, and he is you know, their spark off the bench in the playoffs. Last year in the playoffs, I remember he hit three threes in a row, and that has been burned into my memory. Uh, so he can get real hot in a hurry. But I like this trade. So the idea is Denver sends Bones Highland to the Bulls, who I think are about to go into a rebuild. It's unclear what the Bulls are doing, but uh, with Lonzo Ball being hurt, they say he still has pain in his leg. That's not good. Uh, DeRozan isn't exactly young. I know Vooch's contract is coming up at the end of the year, and they've just sort of been in just the middle of the league. But the idea is the trade is 
Denver sends Bones Highland to the Bulls, and Denver gets Alex Caruso back in return. Because Caruso, apparently, the Bulls want two first-round picks. That's probably not going to happen. But I think just a player for player with no picks involved, it makes sense for Denver. Denver gets another defensive player because we've talked about this a fair amount on the podcast where, obviously, we know Joker isn't an amazing defensive center. But the last two years, he's been he's been fine. You're going to need to surround him with very, very good perimeter defenders. And, you know, they went out, they got Bruce Brown, they got KCP. Those were two really good pickups, two like solid to good defenders. You get Alex Caruso, who is the best perimeter defender in the league and has been for a number of years. The thing is, he's not a shooter, but he is a good ball mover, can ball handle a little bit, but a solid passer and can cut well. You don't need the three point shooting on Denver because that's something that they have in spades. And I really like the idea of Denver going into the playoffs with Jamal Murray, Alex Caruso, KCP and Bruce Brown as their you know four guards you know, in the rotation, one of them can maybe play the three if they play a little bit smaller. And I think that would be a, a really threatening playoff roster. And then the Bulls get a player that's only in a second year that has shown he can really score a lot. Uh, you put him, those players always perform on, on you know, teams more towards the middle of the league. They perform better. And then you kind of just take the reins off and just see what Bones' ceiling is because I think... He's probably going to be a version of that like scoring player. But there were some years where like Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams were giving like legit and Jordan Clarkson even like legit offensive impact. So, you know, I don't know what Bones is, but he's very interesting. What do you think about the trade? Um, First of all, I'm kind of surprised the trade worked. Yeah, it works salary wise. Yeah, I, I did notice that. Um, Yeah, I actually have an interesting addition to that trade so can i add on to your trade sure. so the only thing i was going to add on and i don't know why the bulls would want to do this but like uh, it would be adding in like drummond for deandre <laughs> just to get the nuggets a real backup center now i don't know why the bulls would want um drummond uh deandre um maybe you throw in a pick or something like that uh you know maybe the nuggets throw in a second round pick uh the other thing i was wondering is this, that, so this is a really interesting question. So what is the value of Bones? Like, do you think uh, – so the Bulls want two first-round picks, right? So do you think Bones is the equivalent to being able to get, like, two first-round picks? Or do – yeah, two first-round picks. Or do you think the Bulls could get more? I think Bones is worth – See, this is why it's interesting because I'm like, I would have a, I, I, you know, I would say I'm one of the bigger fans of Alex Caruso probably in the world. Um, I think he's a really good player. I think I'd be pretty hesitant to give up two first round picks for him. I don't think I would do that. But I think Bones is interesting because, so it's interesting how people think of picks, right? Because there is the, there's almost an element of if this, if I have a pick, there is unlimited potential in the pick right? Because you haven't selected a player yet. There's no limitations. There's not, you know, was this a strong or weak draft? Like yada, yada, yada. There's none of those details. There's just what can be. And what can be always trumps what is like in most people's mind. However, like we know that most picks, especially the later you get in the draft, it's harder for those picks to really work out. So especially if you're Denver trading your picks, which I'm not sure how many they have right now, but in my mind, just in a vacuum, Bones is worth 
like one and a half first round picks because we were talking about this on the podcast or sorry before the podcast where we wish there was something because there's only really for draft capital there's only first round picks and second round picks however when you're trying to make trades a first round pick holds like quite a bit of value and the second round pick holds a little bit of value i wish there was something in between and i think bones is actually a rare case where you're going to have him for two more years. So it's not like you're going to lose him. He's not expensive right now. He's on his rookie deal. He has some upside. I think he's one of the rare cases where he's worth like one and a half first round picks, which I am I'm much more the idea of that for Caruso is much better than two in my mind. Um, and I also think this is realistic where it's like if if they are in fact where these are just reports, they're just rumors. Who knows? These could be a ball sack rumor. We don't even know. But the idea is Bones maybe isn't happy in Denver, so you know trading him you know might need to happen, or it might be on a more accelerated timeline than than maybe a different you know different situation. But Alex Caruso is a very good player to get in return, so I think this trade actually makes sense for both teams. Like if you're the Bulls, you're like Bones Highland has you know real upside. Like if you drafted a player that was Bones Highland with the first round pick you got with Caruso, I think you're pretty happy with that. And then if you're Denver, you get you know a really high end defensive player because that's going to be valuable come playoff time. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I don't, uh, don't disagree with anything you said. Actually, I think the only thing I might do. So just so you could do that drum and Deandre swap and to maybe add in, I guess a little value for the bulls. I might throw in a first round pick for the nuggets. They do have like a 2029 first, uh, which is dangerous, I guess to give up. But, um, just so you can get like maybe a real backup center for, uh, for Jokic instead of having DeAndre. Um, I think Drummond's still pretty good. Like, he could certainly for, like, 10 minutes or whatever as a backup, I think he can kind of serve as a good backup. Um, but, yeah, I like the trade. I think um, I, I think the thing, the only thing I would say about the trade is it adds salary to the Nuggets, and that would raise their tax bill and i honestly have no idea if they would be willing to do that but it's not a super significant but, amount of salary i think cruz is making like nine million a year yeah um it's but if they're over the tax i think it adds a ton or something like that look i would do it and honestly i don't care about the nuggets owner so <laughs> you should go and do it uh all right so that <laughs> trade was recapping it was denver gets alex caruso the bulls get bones highland um what do you got for your next uh trade proposal uh, I got another small one, and then I'm going to finish up. Uh, so I have a small one, and then I, for the last one, I have, like, a big, big, huge one. Okay? <laughs> nice tease. Uh, so I'm going to start with a small one. Um, it was basically Wiseman, uh, their first-round pick this year, which I think they have, and a 2027 second-rounder for uh, Jakob Pertl. Okay, so James and- Wiseman. A first, a second for Jakob Bertel, yeah, the center on the Spurs. Yes. Uh, the, I actually don't know if – so Jakob's uh, – he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, the Spurs want two first-round picks for him. And as you mentioned earlier, like to me, this isn't that dissimilar of a situation from – Cruz, especially because he's expiring, like I would be stunned if he could get two first. Yeah, it's no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, but I am adding in the second here because uh, I think that might be the price of taking on Wiseman. Like, I don't think the, like, in theory, the Spurs shouldn't care about Wiseman. 
because they're like, uh, you know, they're they're trying to accumulate young they players. They might want to so be playing Wiseman for their ultimate yeah. goal. Well, let me. You said it, not me. You did not. <laughs> I did not call Wiseman a tank commander, but you implied it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I, uh, yeah, that would help a bit um, for the tank. Um, and like, so I, I'm essentially kind of looking at like the second rounder is like in between two firsts. And also, um, so basically what I'm saying is Wiseman plus the second rounder is equivalent to a little less than a second first. Because I, I think we agree we, that they're not going to get two firsts for uh, Potal, right? No. But um, they probably could get a little more than one first. So this is kind of somewhere in between where you get like a second rounder and Wiseman. And I honestly don't know. I have no idea what Wiseman's trade value is. At best, I would say it's just like nothing. Uh, at worst, I'd say he's like a, a negative value contract. I actually uh, would, I would argue that his contract is actually a, a trade asset because in the NBA, making the money work is so important. Uh, what's his cap number is like nine million or something. Yeah. So you can like yeah. trade for real players because the problem if you're, is you're trying to trade guys that are only making like league minimum. It's hard to trade for other players because they make too much money. Right. And I do think he's is he signed for two years? I think he has. I think this is year three. And then next year will be the last year of his rookie deal. Yeah. So and then I mean, you have to make a decision about paying him. I but, you know, that's honestly, if you're the Spurs, you're in a better spot to make that decision than like if you're the Warriors. Um, so, like, I think like that just solves um, it gives the Warriors another big like it's actually very easy to see why the Warriors would do this. And I think from the Spurs side, um, like essentially the Warriors are just giving up a, uh, what did I say? A first round pick and uh, a second in Wiseman. And you're kind of solidifying a, you're getting a third big who could really help a ton um, with your uh, front court depth. I think that's kind of like their biggest area of need right now. Um, so I think that's one you know, something I would do. Uh, I have seen like reports that the Spurs aren't interested in Wiseman. And my suspicion is like the Warriors are trying to offer him straight up and that's just not going to get it done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm as much as a Wiseman truther as there is. And yeah, it's just, that doesn't make sense to do straight up. Um, okay. So just recapping uh, the Golden State Warriors would get Jakob Pertl, the center from San Antonio. And then they would send out a first rounder, a second rounder, and then James Wiseman in return. So I think that one, like, that one makes sense. I, I think I, I can get behind that one. My next trade is, this is my last one. The Cavs trade for Malik Beasley from the Utah Jazz. And in return, the Jazz get a few things. The Jazz get Isaac Okoro. They get Lamar Stevens. They get a, a fellow named Dylan Windler and a second round pick. So the idea behind this trade is the Cavs get Malik Beasley, who's a very good shooter. Um, he's not, I wouldn't say he's like a very good at anything else. He's not very good at defense, but he is a very good three-point shooter. And the Cavs need that. The Cavs don't have, I mean, I'm not going to say the Cavs don't have shooting because their their star players can both shoot, but off-ball shooting, they have Dean Wade, they have Kevin Love, and then after that, they don't really have anything in the way of off-ball shooting. 
And like when we think about spacing, like you don't really get any spacing if the player with the ball in his hands is a three point threat. Like I guess you you get gravity from that, but not spacing in the same way that we think about it. So they probably need to add an off ball shooter. And Malik Beasley, I think, makes a lot of sense because the Jazz are probably willing to make some trades here. Um, He has uh, one more year left on his deal after this one, so he's not a rental. And the idea behind what the Jazz get, Isaac Okoro is a good defensive player now. Not the greatest offensive player, doesn't really have a lot of skills there, but he's a very good athlete. And he is already a good defensive player. Like it's not, he's not a project player. Like he, he plays now on the Cavs. He has positive defensive metrics. The, the only thing is he doesn't really generate a lot of turnovers, but just in terms of being able to guard other players, he's good at that. Lamar Stevens is an interesting guy. He's 6'6". He's a really good athlete. Um, is like a like a solid to, to maybe a eh, solid to slight positive in impact metrics as a wing stopper. Um, but kind of more of a toolsy project. I think he's like 25. Um, and then Dylan Windler's just salary to make it all work. I don't know who that is. My apologies to Dylan. Um, and then a second round pick, um, just a little bit of a little extra oomph in the trade. Um, I'm not sure. Like I saw a report where it was like the Utah Jazz are, are hoping to get a first round pick for Vanderbilt and then also a first round pick for Beasley. And I'm like, mm, I, don't, I don't think so. A lot of people are leaking out these reports for a lot of first round picks that aren't going to be moved for the players that have been reported. But I think this trade makes sense because just in the big picture, the, the Cavs get a three point shooter. The Jazz get a defender and then they get another guy who, you know, you, you kick the tires to see what you get. You get a second round pick. So I think. On the surface, I could understand it for both teams. What do you think? Uh, is is it the Cavs' second round yeah. pick? They're getting mm-hmm. back? okay. Um, so that's probably not going to be a great second round pick. But hey, you know if they're combining this deal with the one I said earlier, they're getting the Hornets' second. So uh, <laughs> you could look at that as like um, almost a late first and a second here for Vanderbilt and Beasley. So. You know, if they if they did both, and they're obviously getting a few different prospects, so I, I think it makes sense. I, and if you're the calf, you uh, could you could throw in a second second round pick. That doesn't really matter. Yeah, I I, I think that's what gonna, I was gonna say is I do think you probably want to add in a second second round pick. Um, the only thing I'm I'm kind of curious about is like, so do you think Beasley? Are, so are are you closing with them, or you're just giving them a little more? You're probably uh, not like, closing with him because he's not a very good defender, okay. but he's playing like he's playing probably like 25 minutes. Like he's in the rotation, legit player, good shooter. Um, one of the better shooters yeah, this no. year, but he I don't think he's closing, though. OK, um, I think the only thing I would say is like if I was the Cavs, I, I guess I might aim a little bigger uh, just to add like a pet. I mean, a potential guy you can close with. Maybe that's going to be Dean Wade. Uh, hell yeah, um, it's going to be Dean Wade. Yeah, I, I certainly think it should be, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know how um, they feel about him, like, given his... Well, I, I guess the whole team doesn't have any playoff experience, so... Um, Except Kevin Love. Kevin no Love's got that ring. Yeah, it's true. Um, I like to trade. Because um, also, like, Isaac Okoro is a rotational player in the league. Like, he's not a fringe player. Like, he is a plus on defense. He's not an offensive player, and he's a minus there. But, like, Isaac Okoro would get minutes on a majority of teams in the league. Like, he'd play. Oh, oh yeah. I don't mind the Jazz return. I was just thinking, like, for the Cavs, um, like, I guess I'm just trying to think of, like, potentially down the line in the playoffs. Like, to me, 
they have like their top four players are kind of settled, right? You're going to close with Garland, uh, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen, right? And who's like that oh, fifth Dean guy? Wade. Dean Wade. Dean Wade uh, is a good three. And it probably player. is. Yeah, I agree. I do think that. I was actually um, just watching some Dean Wade defensive tape. Like he is a good defensive player. He just people just don't know who he is. Yeah. Um, you know what? You're right. So like I, I guess if you're feeling confident that, you know, you, you're gonna go with him. Um he has been a little bit worse this year though. Like I'm I'm just kind of looking up his uh overall LeBron and he's He's had a uh, a bit of a decline. He's down to minus point eight nine this year. So um, are, we talking about, are we talking about? I don't know. Yeah, but his yeah. D LeBron is very good. And then offensively, like he's really just there to shoot threes. Like you don't need him to do anything else. And I'm not sure he has the skill set to do anything else. But that's a three and D player, and that's valuable. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I'm a little worried about though is because. Uh, I I would like a three and D wing who can do like a little more on offense because I think with that double big with Mobley and Allen like that gives you an amazing defensive uh, kind of ceiling, but it also hurts your offense like uh, having like two bigs right and obviously you have two guards who that you know you're almost like okay well you're you're you'd hope to almost cancel out the like having the two bigs part. But um, I, I, I just do think that like it would like to me, it's going to feel like they're going to need a little bit more on offense. I mean, also Karis Levert is still on the roster. He hasn't been like, he's not in this trade. And then also they got Ricky Rubio back for some creation who can like play alongside those bigs and like help amplify their, their finishing abilities. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of the final piece, like the uh, final starter, essentially. Like not saying like I think those guys are are decent rotation pieces. Although I'm not a big Levert guy, I frankly I so so that's the thing. I would honestly trade Levert maybe to try to shoot your shot a little higher for like, um, like maybe a Crowder or something like that. Um, I mean, the so the but, problem is with the Cavs, the way their closing roster is going to work, they have two small point guards, right, where you can't play another guard because you have two guys that are like 6'1", 6'2". <laughs> I don't know yeah. how tall Garland is. So, like, you can't play another – it'd be very difficult to play another guard that was like 6'2", because you'd have – you still have the size inside, but you just have difficulty guarding the wings. So the problem is the player that you're going to have to close with is going to need to be like, oh, forward with legit size. So it's going to be Dean. I just don't understand how Dean Wade wouldn't be in the closing lineup because he fits in perfectly with, with a like if you could trade for Dean Wade every team would they're just not available and I understand what you're saying of do you want another person to create but like again you have Karis LeVert you have Rubio and again they're probably not going to be in the closing lineup but in the second and the third quarter like they are going to offer you extra offensive punch yeah, I, I, I'm thinking just more a little in terms of because you're playing two bigs, I think having a third guy who gives you a little more offensive, especially because like Mobley and you're you're essentially playing with two bigs who can't shoot. Like Mobley can't really shoot, right? So it's going to get like the spacing's going to get a little cramped. And obviously Dean Wade can shoot. Um, but I mean like there's I, been I mean, periods think- of time where Kevin Love's going to play in short spurts where like that's really the only – that's his main skill set is he's one of the best right. spacing, you know, four-ish players in the league. So for the Cavs, like I was thinking of like – I don't know if they could get somebody like this and I'm – you know, I'm going to use this opportunity to kind of lean into my 
next pair of big trades. I was thinking like somebody like OG, but I don't know if the Cavs have enough to get him. They don't because um, they traded all their first round picks for. Yeah, because they traded all their first round picks. Uh, but like somebody like that would obviously be like the ideal guy next to like both their two bigs and their two guards. Like that's the type of guy or Mikhail Bridges type, right? But like, you yeah, have I don't Dean know Wade. They, I don't know how they would get somebody like that. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm gonna move on to my next trade because that does involve OG, and um, so I have a next, I have a pair of trades here now, and essentially my pair of trades are like finishing up the Pelicans. Um, so wait, hold on. Sorry, before you move on, I just want to recap that trade for anyone that, you know, maybe didn't get all the details. So the idea is the Cavs get Malik Beasley, the Jazz get Okoro, Lamar Stevens for salary, someone named Dylan Windler, and then we'll say two second round picks, but okay, now move on with your trade. Okay. Um, so actually, so I have a pair of trades here that are going to kind of fix up the Pelicans and then we're going to wrap up with, uh, you you said you didn't have any more trades, right? I'm done. Okay, so I want to wrap up with a trade I saw proposed on another podcast that I thought was really fascinating and also involves. You can shout the podcast out if we're going to just like talk about their trade. (laughs) Um, So it was on the Dunk Don pod uh, that they mentioned it, this trade, but I'll get to that after. So the the two trades I have here were the Pelicans. So one of them is OG for uh Valanchunas. wait hold on you're trying to put another wing defender on the pelicans uh yes okay i am because i think uh <laughs> yeah isn't that weird i well i do think because like so herb herb's awesome but he's like his shooting's kind of lacking right he's a defensive specialist and, yeah he's a defensive specialist and i think if you're in terms of looking for like a guy you want like Starting and closing games, uh, OG probably helps a bit more there, wouldn't you say, uh, than somebody like Herb, yeah, right? Yeah, he's better um, offense. Although, interesting, yeah. yeah. Although, interestingly, Herb has actually been a much better defender this year, uh, according to our defensive LeBron, uh, uh, D-LeBron. Um, although, there's some other impact metrics that like OG way more. Um, and that's kind of an almost entirely separate debate where we could debate OG's defense and how value, how valuable his versatility and being able to guard the best guys are. Um, but we'll save that for another pod. Um, so my my trade here was OG for uh, Valanchunas, um, a 2027 first rounder from Milwaukee. Uh, the the Pelicans 2023 first rounder and uh, two second round picks from the Pelicans. So essentially what it is, is they're getting Valanciunas back and they do need a center and they're getting two first round picks and uh, two second round picks. And that 2027 Milwaukee first, uh, I know you would think, okay, like right away you might be like, okay, that seems like a bad first round pick. That's so far in the future though. It's so far in the future. And I think like Giannis might not be on the bucks. Like his yeah, exactly. Like his contract is up before that. Now I'm not saying he's gonna leave him, but like I hope all the Bucks fans aren't saying suggesting don't get mad at us. We're not saying he's gonna leave. We're just saying his contract. No, is no, up no. Get that, mad. So. Bother Christian on Twitter. But uh, also, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton might not be in the league then. <laughs> That's so far. Yeah, it's it's like so far exactly. That's the whole point. It's so far out that I think it's gonna have some value, and especially because the Bucks 
right now are in fully in contender mode and they have like no young players on their team as so to recap the trade the pelicans get og ananobi and the raptors get two first round picks one of them being a bucks pick way in the future 2027 and two second round picks yep and they also get uh john yeah jonas valanciunas yeah uh, yeah, I and, would. Hey, hold on. I have another. Well, hold trade. on, hold on. We're not to that trade yet. Oh, I need my instant reaction here. If I'm the Raptors, I'm getting two first round picks, two second round picks, and like a, a center that is like a legit rotation player. I think I'm. I think I'm doing that, and then I'm also like that's going to start the because the easiest player to trade on their team is going to be Fred because he's the best player they're probably going to trade because I haven't heard them talk about trading Siakam. Um, so I think trading OG first would probably make a lot of sense. And then getting two first, two seconds, and a, a player back, a center that can play in your rotation now is pretty darn good. So I would make that trade if I was the hmm, if I'm the Raptors, I make that trade. If I'm the Pelicans, do I make that trade? Uh so that's an interesting so that's why I have a second trade that the Pelicans would want to probably okay. also make. Uh, and it would kind of address uh, losing uh, their starting center. Uh, so, and I, I'm glad you're saying the Raptors would do that because I do think that's a pretty fair trade. They get two first round picks, they get two seconds, and they but get a starting. The problem, center. I like, guess, I that is the Pelicans then don't have a. Do they have a center on their roster? Ah, well. So now that you've asked, I'm going to tell you my second trade. Uh, so my second trade is the Pelicans get Miles Turner. No, whoa, whoa. Uh, he just signed along. that extension. He said he was staying put. I thought he'd been on the trade block for three years. We finally took him off. <laughs> um, is he? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, have the Pacers said they're definitely taking him off? Know. Or do they just want to be like, like you sign him an extension because he's really good and you could potentially get like some value back for him, right? Uh, and, and, May, and I don't think the Pacers would say no to this trade. Uh, now, I have a bunch of other players in this trade that uh, I think it was just to kind of make the salaries work, but also because uh, like I didn't want to do a four-for-one trade for the Pelicans, and they don't have enough roster spots. So there's a bunch of other kind of weird players in here. We have uh, – so the Pelicans also get James Johnson, TJ McConnell, and O'Shea Brissett. The Pacers get Devontae Graham. Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis, and the kind of the centerpiece of the deal, Herb Jones. And then they also get two firsts. So if I'm the Pacers, getting uh, – so to me, Kyra Wait, is hold kind on, of hold a, on. We got to lay this uh, out again because it's not clear in my head. Re- recap it okay. one more time, but list the most valuable assets first. Okay, I'm going to list – okay, so the most valuable asset the Pelicans are getting back. Okay, and then what, what, what else is coming with it? Yeah, so they're also getting TJ two first McConnell round picks because um, no, they're not getting any. Picks. Oh, sorry, the they're picks also are on the getting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they're also getting James Johnson and O'Shea Brissett. Um, the last two are more kind of in there. Just okay, to but like, TJ McConnell uh, is in there. Out. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. So it's possible we could do this deal without TJ McConnell and Devontae Graham switching okay. spots. Um, I think you probably could, but I had Devontae Graham also going to the Pacers. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, you, I think you could probably just take both of them out <laughs> if, if you wanted to make it less complicated. Um, I 
uh, I'd have to redo the trade though. So, um, <laughs> Uh, the other guys going towards the Pacers would be Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis, um, Herb Jones, and two first-round picks. So the 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 weight uh, of the trade is Herb Jones and two first-round picks for Miles Turner. Yeah, and and essentially the Pacers are also getting a look at uh, Lewis, who is like a young player who was drafted a few years ago. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like a – it's kind of like getting Springer, um, just kind of a young player that you just got to look at. Um, and um, and now, of course, if the Pacers are doing this trade, they're pretty pretty clearly telling everyone that they're not intending to uh, chase the play in this year, which at this point, uh, given the Halliburton injury, I, I think they can kind of uh, – <laughs> I, I don't think they have to be chasing the play anymore. Let's just say that, right? Um, they also get Jackson Hayes, who's um, not like who's also kind of youngish. So they get a lot of. No, I thought what I was going to say someone else. Uh, yeah, so they get so get a few decent like younger players, and then, but obviously the main part of the deal they get Herb Jones and two first round picks, and so now the Pelicans become they're you know between so they make both, both of those trades. Yes, they would make both of those trades, and between both of them, they end up with CJ, uh, Ingram, OG, Zion, and oh, That's Turner. a pretty interesting closing five. Yeah, isn't that? Um, and they still have uh, Trey Murphy on the So they're the trading four uh, first-round picks away in total? Yes, um, but the Pelicans might be the most stocked team in the league. Um, right. Oh, and so one of the, so the two firsts they're trading, they're trading a 2025 Milwaukee first, um, which not bad. Um, and they're trading the 2024 Lakers first. Is that a big swap or is that an outright first? It looks like it's an outright uh, first. I don't know. Um, if not, they could just sub in one of their own firsts. Um, I, they, they have, have the Lakers, Lakers first. I know too. that. Yeah, they also have the Lakers pick this year. Um, I did not include that because I honestly think that's like, I don't think the Pelicans would include that for Turner. I don't know. Do it's be a, it could be a pretty valuable pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's going to have a shot at Wemby, possibly. So I don't know. All right. Do that. Well, uh, that, was uh, our, that was our trade proposals as the trade deadline approaches. I do have what you got? One, I do have one okay. final one for you. Uh, and this is the one I mentioned to you earlier where it was another one involving OG that I had heard on uh, a different podcast, on the Dunked On podcast. They had mentioned OG and Trent for Maxi and Tobias. And I thought that was really interesting. And I was just kind of curious about your thoughts. OG and Trent for Maxi and Tobias. Uh, um, that is an interesting trade. Is it that? Yeah. It really says a lot, I feel like, about how you might value all the different players. Because it's, it's, it's a real... <laughs> I thought you were going to say one of the players specifically. Because I think that trade hinges on what you think of Maxi more than anyone else. I, that's, yeah, that's, that's basically it. It really depends on oh, what you think of Maxi. That's a tough one. The weird and, thing about all the OG trade rumors is he is... There's like... He has two more years on his deal after this at 17 million, which is like a f fine contract. It's weird because normally, like, 
players with that much time left on their contract aren't being like shopped everywhere. Yeah. The other thing that's the OG piece of this deal is like, it also uh, comes down to what you think of his value as well, because like, I think like, like OG's value is, is really fascinating to me. Cause like, if you look at his like his impact metrics and uh, so EPM loves him, but like, our LeBron impact metric is kind of more, eh. It's kind of like more like, eh, he's okay. But like, he's not like, um, like I think he was. Uh, like LeBron uh, has him as a uh, good wing defender, not the best wing defender in the league by like a, a margin. Right. And it thinks, and like his, now I think our like on-ball defense metric really loves him and he's guarding the toughest matchups. But at the same time, I don't know, um, like, if you look at his overall D LeBron, uh, it's not among, like, the leaders uh, in the it's league like or anything like knowledge. that. So, yeah. Um, so he's got a .56 D LeBron this year. Uh, last year's .42. So that's good, but it's just not. You know, Dean Wade. Dean said. Wade has a higher so, D LeBron. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um I think so that, but anyways, yeah. So what are your thoughts? Like that really does come down to how you value Maxi. I mean, what it really comes down to is how you value Maxi and what Toronto's plan is moving forward with their team because it's unclear. But then all of a sudden, you know, I think I probably make that trade because you still have Fred and you still have Siakam and then you have Scotty Barnes and you have Tyrese Maxi. And I think that's a really interesting blend of players. And yeah, I probably make that trade if I'm both teams. And I. So you make it for Philly as well. Yeah, I think it makes sense because you get a a wing stopper and then you also get uh, an additional three point shooter. And just like a little bit more. mm, How would I phrase this? The tricky part about this trade is like, I think to me, it's kind of giving up. Uh, like right now, that that trade makes the Sixers better, but uh, what are you giving up in Maxi? Like, are you giving up a potential future All Star? Potentially. And it, yeah, and if that's the case, like, like if I like if I'm thinking about like three or four years down the line, am I? You know, if OG, I don't think OG is going to get that much better, right? But like the problem kind of is, if Maxi little... becomes an all star in three years, I'm not sure if it matters because James Harden, like, either isn't going to be in the league anymore because he's going to be like 36 or 37 or something, or he's going to be like so old. It's, I don't know if it matters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he might not even be on yeah. the Sixers, honestly. So I, no, I totally agree. Like, in the, like, for, improving their team this year and for like going for it, this might make more sense. Although I will ask you this, how much of a potential scoring hit do you think you take here by trading Maxi for Trent and OG? Because I do think Maxi is like, like he is a pretty good bucket getter, right? Like, and like we saw him average 20 points per game in the playoffs last year. I'm like pretty, I think it was like on 60%. Yeah, I guess shooting. the thing I'm thinking about is so if like, you're Philly, you, are, you have basically three players that can create and nobody else and you lose one of your creation players. That seems kind of risky. I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if yeah. I would do it as Philly, but I would do it as Toronto. I know that. 
Okay. Um, I think the Philly side is really much more interesting in that. Like, I think I probably would do it for if I was Toronto too, because like if I'm Toronto, I'm going nowhere right now. And like, at least, sorry, nowhere this season, I shouldn't say like right now. Cause like, I do think Toronto could be one of those teams that like easily just gets back to where they want to go next year. Cause they definitely have the talent, but at least for this year, they're going nowhere. Right. And I think at this point they want to start to look at Wemby. <laughs> right. So I think, the thing is it helps Toronto get get some younger. Um, also because Maxi always seems to kill them in games against them. <laughs> they don't have to play him anymore. Uh, <laughs> that that that's not actually part of why I do the trade. I'm just pointing it out. I don't think um, I would do this trade if I was the Sixers. Because you're losing too much okay. creation. And then it falls so heavily on Embiid and Harden. And then all of a sudden Harden has a little like lingering hammy in the playoffs. Embiid gets in foul trouble. And all of a sudden you have like a like four defensive specialists standing on the court together. Yeah, I, it puts a lot of pressure on Harden as a creator and as it so I think it puts even more pressure on him as a scorer too, which like honestly like so as a overall playmaker and creator, like I don't think you're going to worry as much about Harden, but like in terms of his scoring, like definitely this year, I would be more worried about that part where it's like maybe a little more inconsistent. Okay, so lastly, uh, what trade of the, all the trades we discussed would you think is the makes the most sense for both teams? Um. Oh, that's because I think that's sometimes the most because uh, I see a lot of uh, you know proposed trades online, and a lot of the times it's like I would absolutely do that for one of the teams, and I would never ever do it if I was the other team. You know what I mean? So I'm like, what's the point of this right. trade proposal? Because well, I'm the most uh, interested. Because I think that the hardest thing to do is make trades that make the most sense for both teams. Like this is just honestly why we don't see a lot of trades. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And. Like I, that's what when coming up with my trade proposals, I tried to come up with like trades that both teams would want to do, but um, like obviously like the the OG and the Turner trades that I did for the Pelicans were like thinking about a little more from the Pelicans side because I'm like okay, I'm gonna get both OG and 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 Turner on the Pelicans right. So, but I do think I did a good job of balancing out what like the Raptors would want. Uh, on their end and and what the Pacers would get. Um, so, I mean, what if I just – can I cheat and say all of my trades <laughs> were fair? No, no, not? you're welcome to say whatever you want. Um, okay, let me ask you this. You know what? It's Because, of course, I think all of my mm. trades are fair. And, of course, you think all of your trades are fair. So which do you think oh, You don't think I'm fleecing was... one of these teams in an imaginary situation? Um, I think we did come to like, I like the Cleveland trade. I think we did both agree they would add in yeah, a second, yeah, second rounder, sense. right? Uh, and what was, was the other one? You, for the bones. first one you mentioned? Oh, Prusa for Bones. Yeah. I think that was the one where I, so I proposed adding in a first and then adding in Drummond. See, but if I'm Denver, there's DeAndre no way I'm giving a first round pick to get Drummond in a trade. No, so it's not. I for understand, but all, like, just no way. No. So you're I saying you wouldn't do it if you were Denver. You wouldn't trade Bones for Alex Crusoe. 
No, no. Oh, no. I would do that. If See, I'm then Denver. what? But uh, it doesn't make sense. I sweetening don't. that trade for Denver doesn't make sense to me because it's like we get rid of a backup center that doesn't really provide any value for like another backup center that's like a little bit better. And then we have to give up a first round pick for that. Like that improvement doesn't make sense to me. So the, so the whole reason I had in the first was because I wasn't sure if I would do it for if I was Chicago. So the first entices them a bit more. And then the backup center swap is more just so like, um, like because honestly, I don't think Chicago would care about DeAndre versus Drummond and it and Denver would be kind of more interested in that. But the, but kind of the first round pick I added in there because I wasn't quite sure if the Bulls would do bones for Caruso. But you know what? I maybe you're you know what? Really? Maybe you, the, wrong, uh, I was maybe I leaning do. the other way that it might not happen. Yeah, um, maybe you're right. Like, because you know what, Bones is. Yeah, you know what, I'm gonna say I'm wrong. I think Chicago would do it because, like, well, so the biggest issue I think I I'm having is like, what like is Chicago then deciding to go towards a rebuild? I mean, here's the thing with this trade: because no draft capital is being moved, you don't really even have to. You could just be like, as the Bulls, we just need more offense. Whether that's right or wrong, you could just make that argument, you know? Yeah, I, I just feel like if I'm getting bones, then I'm starting to think about my future a bit more. Um, which is like, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I just, the bull should <laughs> blow it up. <laughs> like, they should just, you know, I don't know. Well, I say that, and like, I, it seems like what the bull's goal has been in the last few years is just to make the playoffs, which is fine. Like, they had had a long playoff drought, I think. I think so. Like for them, it's just about make the playoffs, and like if that's their goal, they they might have the team if Lonzo was was healthy to be able to get in as like a six seed or something, six seven. Um, part of the issue the Bulls, it feels like the Bulls have run into is the East has gotten like deeper and tougher, um, which is why it actually might make more sense now in the East to be bad. And be chasing like, you know, chasing a higher pick. But I don't have any like problem with like a bull, the Bulls trying to chase the playoffs. So like in that sense, if that's what they're trying to do, then I don't really see why this trade makes sense for them. Like this trade seems like a to make more sense if they're thinking about like, okay, I want to get like Bones. I want to look at what he's gonna look like in like three or four years or something like that, and like start a rebuild. I don't know. Do you think I'm off there? Uh, no, I think the idea makes sense. You could also think like, you know, DeRozan only has one more year on his deal. You're, you know, you do have to score points. Bones could be his replacement, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of different ways you go with this, but I'm just saying trading for Bones doesn't automatically trigger a rebuild. No, it doesn't automatically trigger a rebuild, but it's more like the mentality. Like if you're trading for bold Bones, I don't you're know if you're a hooper out there, you're like, about. we're getting Bones? This guy is like the most hooper version of a player there you're, is. You're a hooper getting Getting uh, all right we've we've talked about trade proposals long enough uh that's gonna wrap it up for this episode my name is taylor that's krishna and we'll see you on the next episode of the basketball index podcast 